Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Counterculture Ketchup, where we recap our weekly discussion from four weeks ago. <laughs> our goal is to motivate the church to influence the culture around us with the kingdom of God by applying a biblical worldview to every single topic. Amen. Yes. To my left is our, don't take this the wrong way, priestly pastor, Jamie. Jamie. Mm, I'm good. <laughs> How's that for some redundancy to start? I'm good. Well, it's, it's sort of, re- it's not redundant. Actually. Yes, and yeah. of course. We just found that out. We know that we are all priests. <clears throat> yeah. We are a kingdom of priests. Amen. And we're, today we're going to be talking about the Reformation in our 10-part um, series, How Should We Then Live? Yeah. We went over the Renaissance um, whenever we had that last episode, then um, we're off for a couple weeks. And so now we're talking about the Reformation. Key moment in the Reformation is Luther's realization that all Christians are priests to God, and that um, though there is hierarchy in the church in terms of pastors, teachers, shepherds, uh, elders, but in terms of our standing before God, we are all on equal footing as kings and priests because we're in Christ, and that's what Christ is. He is our Amen. high priest. So, Amen. So. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah and thank you uh, again for all you folks who have, who have commented and who... Uh, who've given us some suggestions and things like that. We definitely are planning on getting to some of those, those topics. So yes. um, we're, we're grateful for that. Keep, keep sending the comments in. I write them all down. We, love, we, we don't forget <clears throat> all the topics that you yeah. guys bring up. We, we love getting that. So we're, we're super encouraged and share it. And, you know, we'd love to get this, this kind of stuff out, this content out to, to more people mm-hmm. if you enjoy it. So uh, definitely send it out. Um, so yeah, this, this was great. The, this episode of, of, um, how should we then live? Uh, the, the video will be linked at the bottom underneath our video and definitely encourage you to watch it. It's literally 25 minutes long. Um, well, figuratively, literally, right. Roughly 25 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Very, uh, very figuratively. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, but, uh, there it is. (laughs) Um, <laughs> That's like our classic counterculture yeah. saying. Here yeah. it is. Yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, so an inside, an inside joke, yes. so for sure. So welcome. Welcome in. Yeah. So last time, like Joel <laughs> mentioned, we'd, we'd gone through the Renaissance, and then we're, we're seeing the cultural shift into the, the Reformation, where um, we see that the, really the, the key point in the Reformation was um, when... Um, Martin Luther had nailed his his ninety five thesis, and but it was was that nineteen ninety five? When did he do? It's I don't <laughs> think so. But I it was fifteen seventeen. In fifteen seventeen, he nailed uh, ninety five theses. Although I have heard his thesis, matter of fact, by Francis Schaeffer. The problem um, is, but that's okay. It's, theses, it's plural yeah, it's, of, it's plural. It's, it's ninety five, ninety five theses. <laughs> Um, but uh but that kind of kicked things off for the for the people to start to shift from the church being equal with god's Mm -hmm. word to where god's word started to become elevated Mm -hmm. and like you had said that all men are priests you know all christians who belong to all all men who belong to christ are are priests Mm -hmm. and so um and the the, another point that was a key key thing then was that it it was only through christ not the works of the church Mm -hmm. that you received uh, a relationship, a, a good standing with God. Grace, yeah. He received grace, and, exactly. Yeah, so. not through the saints or Mary or any right. other, or the priest, but right. solely through Christ. Yeah, so, and then there was a third point that he had brought up, and, and it had to do with this, where in the Renaissance, there was an exaltation of man, this naturalistic viewpoint, mm-hmm. where the man was being elevated so the artwork the music everything was being elevated but with the wrong with the wrong focus 
And the Reformation started to change that focus to be where you looked at nature and you appreciated nature because it had value because God made it, yeah. not because it had innate value. It had meaning all by itself, mm-hmm. you know, but the Reformation, the, those kind of changes started to take place. Mm-hmm. So you had in the South, I believe it was, the, the Renaissance in, in Europe, Southern Europe was, the Renaissance was going on. And in Northern Europe, now we see the, the, this Reformation start mm. taking place and you see changes throughout the, the different cultures over the course of time. Um, number of years. So you got Zwingling, Mm. he mentioned Calvin. So Zwingling is in Sweden and Zurich. Calvin um, wrote his institute, uh, wrote institutes? Calvin wrote his institutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Martin Luther translated the Bible into German. You know, so it's like all this stuff was going on, Mm -hmm. which allowed people now to have access outside of the church and start to see things for how they really were. it's crazy how fast in the scripture how fast it spread yeah. too because like <clears throat> themes and beliefs and you know different ways of looking at stuff usually does not it takes like a long long time and this took a long time set, sowing the seed we kind of talked about that the past couple episodes um between with the renaissance you know a person here <clears throat> or there you know who sure. brings up you know makes a stink about the the church have you know maybe formulating a doctrine outside of scripture but then once Luther and, and Calvin and them, um, it, it took off and spread like a wildfire. You know, like the, the Pope said, um, a wild boar has entered into the vineyard, into your vineyard, O Lord, you know, and kind of praying an imprecatory prayer on Luther. Like, Lord, please protect your church from this wild boar right, who's right. gotten in and he's messing everything up, you yeah. know. And, and that kind of was, you know, it wasn't originally the goal of Luther was not to bring even, it was to reform the church. It wasn't to make a whole new. Right a whole new system or anything like that and um and his objective wasn't to come against the church you know it was to just this is what the scripture says just to have a conversation yeah at first it was i don't see this in scripture so let's have a talk about this and luther was a priest so he did have like some he was a monk so he did have some standing in the church where they should have um fielded his questions and stuff but instead he was a professor too wasn't he? he didn't he, he uh, like a scholar? Um, he, I thought he he taught at an institute. Professor of philosophy at the University of Wittenberg. Yeah, there you go. Fifteen oh eight. Yeah, cool. Nice. So he received his <clears throat> doctor, a doctor of, of theology. theology in fifteen twelve. That, so yeah. that was before the Reformation. Yeah. So he so, had a doctorate. So he did. He definitely had. He should have had a lot of sway. Right. You know, in the Catholic Church, like not. He was not just starting his own. You know, Protestant church or whatever like that. He was just bringing up points that he thought were against scripture and um i think it's kind of a shame that the church at the time the, the catholic church was not able to combat what luther did and they didn't even really try it was like it was just like we're the church you don't have any say so follow the pope you know um and that's kind of when luther had to kind of be be like well sorry because you didn't convince me and unless i'm convinced by scripture or by my conscience, then I can't recant what I wrote because right. I'm standing on the only thing that I can, which is how I view God's word. And so, like, we should not be like that, like what the church did, where the, the church was like, well, we just have this authority, and so you don't have any say. You know, we should be able to be like, to know scripture so well and to know history so well that we can be like, let's look at these beliefs and stuff, and we can have. Uh, a conversation with anybody, right. you know, and not just say, well, you're only whatever, you know, but I can't, I can't even like bring that up to you, you know, or we shouldn't be able to talk about this. Like, especially for all Christians, we should be able to talk about anything Amen. in love, you know, right. and not just standoffish. So yeah, with, <clears throat> with the humility to, to challenge your own beliefs and hear from other people, you know, um, so that that's a good way to be, but have the conscience or have the, the conviction, which is not my favorite word, but in this case, I, I think, especially for, for Luther, having the conviction to stand on, this is God's word or my conscience, and like they have to work together. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I have to stand on that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to, if the church says something against God's word, then I'm not, I can't good conscience do it. Right. And so, so that's... Um, you know, we have to have that conviction to do yeah. that too. And it wasn't just saying, 
um, you know, <clears throat> I am the my own like right. arbiter of scripture, and so nobody else can come against what I view scripture as being. That wasn't it at all. Right. It was scripture has a meaning in and of itself. So if you can convince me that my reading of scripture is wrong, then right. I will gladly change my views because well, yeah. scripture is the final thing. But so, like you said, though, they didn't even, it wasn't, they weren't trying to convince him. No, exactly. They were standing on tradition of the church yeah. to say that it's not worth, it's not either worth our time or mm -hmm. this is just how things have been. Mm -hmm. So therefore just leave it alone, mm -hmm. you know, and cause you know, questions of uh, the, uh, you know, um, with purgatory and yeah. all this kind of stuff and penance and doing the works and all this and yeah. being questioned. It's just like, well, you know, well, don't worry about it. Just, this is how things are. Right. Right. And Luther's like, yeah, but I have like, I ha I'm, I'm worrying about this right. because this is what it says. Right. Right. And we're not doing it. Yeah. You know? And especially so, uh, obviously the sale of indulgences yeah, selling sure. um, an indulgence that the church would give you to a piece of paper that you would get from for money that would say that your loved one is now out of purgatory and now is made it has made it into heaven and um that's one thing luther's obviously like where is this you know in scripture um he famously crawled up the stairs that jesus apparently walked up to go to Pilate, and after he goes on his knees so his knees are like bleeding at the top but if you did that and you made it to the top you would get an indulgence and so your loved ones would be right but um, he makes it to the top, and then he famously <clears throat> turns around, and he says, who knows if this is true? Right. You know? It's like, I just did all of that, and it's like, what, how does that get me some standing, you know? Or how does this get my loved one <laughs> any, sure. anything sure. from God just because I did this thing, you know? Right. Um, so, <clears throat> well, what, that, what would that say about God, who God is, mm -hmm. that he cares about that, you know? Yeah. You know, like, I want you to be in pain. And then I'll, I'll be satiated. Now I can, yeah. oh, okay, I'll, I'll let somebody go into heaven. Right. It's like, that had to be a question in his mind, too. Right. To be like, well, the nature of God, this just isn't God's nature yeah. to be like this. Yeah, I think that's why God used Luther. Because Luther had a very peculiar personality. Oh, yeah. He was a, he was a priestly, peculiar, peculiar priest. Yeah. There you <laughs> um, go. <laughs> just because of his mindset and his attitude, which he was very bullish, kind of like a wild boar. Um, and there's a, a, another famous thing where he goes into the confessional booth as a monk, and he's for three hours convinced, confessing his sins to the priest. For three hours. And it's like, what could you possibly do wrong as a monk? <laughs> you know? And there's no even technology in those days. So it's right. like you're just in a cell praying. But he's confessing to the monk, comes out, of the confessional booth has one bad thought and <laughs> to tells go the back priest, in. let's get back in and the priest <laughs> is like martin you have to get a hold of yourself i can't be doing this all day with you and you're fine you know like there's many people that are worse you know whatever but for luther he had such a honestly an accurate view of his sin and that you know the littlest sin in god's sight is way bigger than we give it credit for um, and so he wanted to deal with that. And the, um, the thought of the justice of God, of God's hatred of sin and like it in the wrath of God just played on his mind. He could not get a hold of it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's actually one of the ways that God draws us to yeah. himself is by showing us our need for a savior. Um, but Luther realized I can't have salvation if this is what it is, if it's every time I sin, I have to go to this confessional booth so that God will forgive me. Then I go back and, and continually going on this treadmill of sinning yeah. and getting back. It becomes, it becomes my works equal my salvation. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. and, and reading the scripture, you know, that's not true. Yeah. You know, so yeah. And that's when he had his epiphany in, in the monastery reading Romans one seventeen. I wrote it down that um the just will live by his faith so being just and so again like how can i be clean and just and pure before god you live by your faith and it's in christ alone mm -hmm. and that, that's why it says the righteousness that comes from yep. god that is by faith and so not through relics not through like pilgrimages you know going all the way to rome or whatever it is which would be a long hard journey from germany but if you make it to rome you get these you know 
So it's all about doing these things so that you get grace from God. And Luther's like, there's got to be more than this. This can't be what Christianity truly is. Um, but I think God used his personality of that, yeah. you know, in the meticulous <clears throat> detail, um, as well as um, having a temper. And if you read any of his writings, you know, he definitely said some things that are not very nice and um, are completely uh, yeah. overboard. <clears throat> but I think God used that and really like the the church needed somebody who was not going to back down you know somebody who was really strong and convicted about what he believed sure for it to have that impact that that it, luther ended up having so yeah well the you know um francis Schaeffer brings it up too that the the reformation for all of its good i mean there it wasn't perfect it was not perfect yeah. and so there was a lot of issues um but there but it's like when you look all through the history, you know, you have the early church going through the Roman era, then you get into the Middle Ages, like, you know, you're following this whole thing that Francis Schaeffer is doing, watching the church, and you see all this kind of baggage the church picks up. Yeah. And now it's like the it reaches its pinnacle yep. in the Renaissance of breaking this point. natural oh, yeah. naturalistic kind of mixing the the world and the church and bringing humanism in and mixing traditions in that really aren't part of the the scripture and then it's like the rebirth of the church you know with martin luther coming mm -hmm. in going wait let's get back to the word of god mm -hmm. what's the word of god say but it's kind of like a newborn deer yeah it was out kind of can't walk sure. very, very sure. well kind of stumbling its way and there definitely was some things that they went overboard on um one thing i can think of is they would go the the reformers or uh, people who followed the reformers they would go to churches and they would find like the um the saints that they had statues of them and stuff and they and the relics of different saints or whatever and they would like break in illegally to the churches and stuff and de deface the uh, and throw down the statues <clears throat> yeah, break them you know that's probably not good vandalizing you know um, because, you know, this is not in the Bible at all, you know, and it's like, it's not in the Bible at all, but that's not the way that you're supposed to, sure. you know, inspire sure. change. So it definitely was not perfect. Like Make a lot of enemies. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty a, lot of a lot of people died. Yeah, you know? it was a rough time. But a lot of, lot, like, a change that needed to take place, you know, yeah. to to start to elevate the Word of God above above man and above the church. And a lot of great change went on through that whole time mm -hmm. in that that uh, um, elevation. Again, we mentioned with the Renaissance, the artwork, the music was all elevated. That didn't go away with the Reformation. Right. That actually was still understood that this is really good. We mm -hmm. should be doing our very best, but not from a humanist perspective, but because this is God's creation. Right. Right. So, and, uh, and Francis Schaeffer brings up, um, where it was, uh, Bach, you know, he signed his, right. his thing to, to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. Yeah. yeah. And so, and it was an indication of this is the, where the culture was headed. It was, it's, this is to the glory of God. So the artwork was still way elevated. Mm -hmm. The, everything was elevated to show that. And, and. I think that science itself started to really take a different mm -hmm. uh, place because now you have scientists who are looking at the world around them and saying, I just want to dig in because I know God made this. Right. And, yeah. and I think he's understandable, you know, right. as much as possible, we can, as much right. as we can understand him. Yeah. But, but he's, made himself he's allowed us to, to see what we see. Let's dig into it, mm -hmm. you know, which is really the birth of, of real, like in-depth science, mm -hmm. scientific method, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Even, so. even um, <clears throat> math, math and different, yeah. all of the different sciences, like, um, yeah, creation science and things like that, that, yeah, because it was, you realized it was God's world. Yeah. So let's study it and see how much we can gain from it. Yeah. And Kepler and all, like all of them were either Christians or at least they had a biblical worldview. Yeah. So that was their goal. And I, I do think the Reformation had a big part. Oh, big time. To that. I had to. Um, and what, like one of the key takeaways too, I think, is that the, um, it is the understanding during the Reformation or what came out of the Reformation, the understanding that there is no meaning without the transcendent. 
you know, and uh, you can't have real meaning mm. without something being beyond us, right? Beyond the thing, you know, beyond the uh, the individual the particulars. Yeah. Particulars, exactly. There has to be something that's beyond that, and uh, and we see that in our world today. Um, I mentioned this on the last podcast, but uh, which would have been like four weeks different, but now it's like <laughs> not going to be. Now it's like two hours. <laughs> and, uh, but, but for real though, like that is really, people are looking for meaning, mm-hmm. but they're looking in this world for meaning. Right. They're looking for meaning in love. They're looking for meaning in, in their jobs, in their family, in their, you know, um, whatever they're doing, you know, their mm-hmm. hobby. Whatever it is, they're looking for meaning there. You're not going to find real meaning mm-hmm. there. You have to look outside of the particulars. Mm-hmm. You have to look to to something that's transcendent, that's beyond this. Look away. From Otherwise, you get no meaning, no lasting meaning. It's impossible. Right. It just doesn't work. Yeah, you're you're playing off of the symptoms instead of going to the God who created all of yeah. these things, which then gives rise <clears throat> to the particulars. Yeah, because think think it like you look at look at everything in this world. You right know, now? it falls, well, any time, really. Okay. You know, the, you, you look at the, even the, the laws of, of physics and the, <clears throat> of thermodynamics and things like that, yeah. just the law of entropy. Like, everything degrades. Everything's going downhill. Mm-hmm. Nothing's advancing more than itself. It can't produce more right. than itself. Right. People are dying. Animals die. Plants die. Everything dies. Everything erodes. Where is your meaning? Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at it from a solely humanistic point of view, what do you have? You have nothing. There's nothing there. You can't, you cannot get meaning without God. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have temporary, you think you have meaning, no lasting meaning. Impossible. You can't have it. Yeah, all you're doing is borrowing from what God has given. And, you know, say you go <clears> into, um, into some sort of uh, temporary pleasure or something like that. Where it's like, okay, this is my meaning, but it, it always will fade. It will never yeah, give you fulfilling, yeah. fulfilling meaning. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. And so, yeah, another thought that the, the Reformation brought into the mainstream was that all of life now had dignity. Yeah. You know, it was fallen, right, but right. you could yeah. see that there was, <clears throat> there was still beauty in everything that God has made. And Ooh. because of the freedom now that they had from... The righteousness of Christ, that was like the big theological change that happened. Faith alone, we come to Christ, and Christ gives us his righteousness. So that now, we are not filled with our sin anymore, but Christ Christ took our sins away on the cross. So now we live in freedom. So no matter what I am, if I'm a poet, if I'm a plowman working the fields, if I'm a baker, whatever I am, or a priest. Or, dignity. Or, yeah. But everything has meaning. <laughs> yeah. And it's all on equal sta- standing before God. Um, and so that's why you see the high, very, um, still very high quality paintings, music, and all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. Because all of them have meaning. Yeah. Know? Well, I, I, go into that, if I, if I may. Go yeah. into that a little bit, because you mentioned the fallen nature. Yeah. Um, what aspects are different? with the Reformation mm-hmm. viewpoints from the Renaissance re- related to the fallen nature? Well, it, yeah, because the medieval church would definitely, before the Reformation, would have definitely em- uh, emphasized the fallen nature of man. But how do we get out of that? And so the Reformation was saying, instead of going to the priest and having to do all of the, you're, you're stuck in this cycle of works trying to get your righteousness and so you were never okay with God. You were never at peace with God. The Reformation brought peace with God because sure. it said, it's now about you. we are justified yes. yeah. by our faith. So I'm justified at this very moment, right? One of the key uh, phrases was, <clears throat> ready for this? Simul justus et peccator, which means, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, it's a, that's what it means? I have to. That's what it means. <laughs> I'll just say you're welcome. <laughs> All right. So um, the next one. <laughs> so it means simultaneously justified and yeah. a sinner. And so um, that was one of the key takeaways because in Catholicism and in the medieval church, uh, you were either justified because you had your baptism and so that washed your sins away. And then you are, um, by the priest, you're 
you go to confession and then you, you're you're clean till you sin again what happens when you sin again now you're not clean anymore you actually lose your justification and you have to regain that by confession penance you know repentance and all of that what the reformation was saying is what, what scripture is saying is that even though we still sin and we never get fully rid of that sin in this life you know paul says that romans 7 romans 8 who will rescue me from this bondage of death i want to do good but i have this this law of right. death still within me that is um making me do things i don't really want to do because i want to serve christ but there's always this like nagging sin that's still there but paul's response is not and so i'm not a christian anymore right. Right. until i um repent of my sin or whatever but praise it's, be to god no romans 8 1 there is therefore now no mm -hmm. condemnation Amen. to those that are in christ and so even though yes we still sin we are but there's no condemnation and what that medieval church did before the reformation really took off was saying there is condemnation because you're not in christ anymore once you sin that's it you have to go and <clears throat> regain that again and that's to this day that remains the biggest issue yeah. between catholicism and uh you know christianity yeah well i think also um related to the renaissance and the medieval church um that mixing of that aristotelian kind mm -hmm. of like viewpoint that the um that intellect Aquin like it was it but aquinas yeah. stole it from aristotle really right. or advanced it from yeah. from aristotle yeah. and uh and and aquinas that aquinas kind of mindset where and that's what you saw a lot in the reformation too um was this this idea that that although we're falling mm -hmm. the intellect is not falling you mm -hmm. know the the that um so um so there's like that aspect of things there and that changed in the reformation mm -hmm. because it was like no 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 we're all falling yeah in every, in every aspect yeah. yeah in every way so there was a that kind of like antagonism between the the uh the church and that that the culture that was going on at mm -hmm. the time and that got kind of like um and I, and I think it probably got mixed quite a bit, you know, especially Aquinas with, with that. Mm -hmm. But um, but then the Reformation kind of like started to change that mm -hmm. whole mixing and bring it right back to, no, we're completely fallen. You know, we're right. completely broken. It's not that some of, you know, our flesh is bad, but our intellect is right. good kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so, um, so anyway, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the practical um, results of the Reformation? What did it do? We know it wasn't perfect and there was like some bad things that people did because of it because they took things too far. But one of the main things that it did in terms of how the church's practice was changed was in regards to the Lord's Supper and communion and also the mindset of how we can have communion with God inside of the building that is the church. Oh, yes. Because yeah. and um, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, you remember, there's the veil, right, between yeah. the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest once a year could go in and could offer the sacrifice, right? Well, when Jesus dies on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom, indicating God split that temple veil so that now common people can have access to God, like full stop, not going through priests, not going, right? But just us and God, he is the mediator and right. Jesus is our high priest. He went into the Holy of Holies, he made that perfect sacrifice. Now, in the medieval church, which is so interesting because they actually show it in the video, but before the, the um, Reformation, um, they had a sheet or a veil, I guess you could call it, between the congregants who would be sitting in the pews and the communion table where they would have the hosts and the wine. Now, obviously, at this point in time, the Catholic Church, which would have been, you know, that established church of the medieval period, um, formulated the doctrine called transubstantiation, yeah. which was also based on the Aristotelian categories, which were coming into play around Aquinas' time. Transubstantiation meaning changing of substance, right? And so that belief that the bread and the wine literally become the body of Jesus. And so if you're, you know, taking the communion bread, you're literally eating Jesus, literally, not figuratively, right. not, not, not figuratively, very, very literally. figuratively, no, <laughs> but like actually literally because it changes the actual substance. 
So then the thought process was, this is how tradition can snowball into one bad, little bad thought that, it, that perniciously makes its way into the church becomes huge doctrines that now are completely um, antithetical to what scripture says. So now, when you, ha- you have this veil, why would you have a veil when Jesus tore the veil? You have the veil because we know that we're all sinners. We're in the presence of Jesus, literally here. How can we be right. in the presence of a holy God, because Jesus yeah, is God, if you're, if you're a sinner? If you're a sinner. There needs to be that veil where only the priest could go, get Jesus, bring him to you so you could eat him, and, right, and all of that. And so what the Reformation did was saying, nope, Jesus already tore that veil. We can, as sinners, because we are in Christ. We are perfect. We are clean. We are justified, and there is no condemnation. Yep. And so we can have full access and communion with God, even in our standing now, even though we fall, obviously. But we're in Christ. And so Amen. they would actually, they literally in the church, they tore that veil down once again. But now in the the Reformation time period, in the, the 16th century, and um I don't think that that was overstated, as long as they didn't hurt anybody while doing that. But I think it, it seems like they literally tore down yeah. the, that veil. And I think they put the communion table right that, over the, mm-hmm. right over that right. where the, the veil line. was, the line where the veil came down. Mm-hmm. Put the communion table so that it, it kind of um, separated, mm-hmm. you know, it, it uh, split it so that it's like, no, no, it's right there right. so you can approach it. It's, it's right. so awesome. Yeah. yeah, took the place of the veil. Yeah, the, put the communion right there. Yeah, yeah. and so that was, yeah, and so it, it actually an emphasis on realizing our sinfulness. Even more, I guess, even more so than being like, well, I went to confession, so now I'm good, kind of a thing. It's like actually, you're never really good. You know, we have sin nature still in, in sure. within us, but we are actually perfectly clean at the same time, and that's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, between the I'm clean now I'm not now I am now I'm not it's like actually you're both at the same time but Christ always wins yeah <laughs> you know it's like that fickle finger of faith <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah got to get into that <laughs> at some point there it is <laughs> perfect was, I was like when are we going to use this there oh go. there it is yep that was a good there it is too yeah <laughs> it's one of those Definitely, yes, it for definitely sure. is. Yeah. So there was some interesting stuff too, like that went on um, with uh, Martin Luther in the in 1521. Mm-hmm. Right, he was brought before the. He was really hungry, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he had a diet of worms. You know, if you look that up, that uh, a diet was a meeting, and it was in worms, That's which was was an imperial city. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a, a very interesting, you know, statement. Which is a good name for a band or a song. It is a yeah. I told right? you it, it, it is, is a band, band right? Yeah. yeah, and uh, and so he was labeled a no- notorious heretic, heretic, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's called the Edict of Worms. You know, so yeah. that's what was presented. It was a long time they were there going yeah. through it too. It yep. wasn't wasn't like they met for like a couple hours. Yeah, well, everything took a long you know, time. It, yeah, I guess I so. It took a long time for everybody to get there. That's too. true. So probably um, like let's get our money's worth. Yeah, or our time's um, worth. <clears throat> but yeah, and like we said before too, a lot of other stuff was going on. There was French reformer uh, William Farrell, mm-hmm. uh, who founded the uh, Calvinist Church. Erasmus edited the New Testament in the original Greek and pushed to have the Bible translated in other languages. That was huge. Yeah. Like all this stuff was going on, and and you have the timeline right here. Yeah, I mean, it, within a couple hundred years, right? Not even within a hundred years. Yeah. So amazing, amazing amount of stuff that was going on. And we're, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for that, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know what would be going on yeah. in, the, in the church today. Yeah. We, we wouldn't have the availability of that the we have of the scripture yeah, sure. yeah. and the church would really control what we, what we understand. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's no good. <clears throat> yeah. It's easy to say, you know, why didn't they see the, the yeah. problems in the church sooner and stuff? But when you're in, and you see this in, you know, certain like communist countries and things too, where how can you not see that you're under, you know, submission of the state, you know, totalitarian state, or whatever? It's like it's not easy when you're in it, you yeah. know, and you just are brought up with whatever you believe or whatever they believe, and that you're you're taught. And really, the only thing that can break that 
is God, you know, or is scripture, you know, which can, can lead you out of the system that you've always believed. Um, but like brainwashing, or if you want to call it that, or if you want to just call it conditioning, you know, based on what you've always heard is a very powerful Sure. Well, fear, thing. fear is involved in that too. You yeah. know, if you put yourself in a place of like, well, what would I do? You yeah. know, if I was in that position. Yeah. And also, know, if you're not uh, uh, high up in the church, like Luther was, do? you know, he was a professor and, a, and a, a monk, like he had, but he was not, his famous saying was, am I alone wise? Yeah. Like out of all these people in the church, am I the only one who sees this? And I don't think he was the only one. No. But I think not, he was yeah. the only one to. Yeah. Who willing to stand right, up. Right. Yeah. And, Which is and, what I was saying about yeah. his attitude, you know, and stuff too. But, um, but that can be our thought, you know, too, is like why do I see this? But like nobody else sees this, but it turns out he was right, you know? And so at that, at that time, the, um, especially you know, the thing he was talking about when he said that was the sale of indulgences. So was of something that even the Catholic church today says was not good that, yeah. they, that they did. Um, and they have, have since renounced buying, you know, loved ones out of purgatory, but you can still work for it. And oh, you can even, you remember, I told you this. You did tell. Um, I don't remember though. Pope Francis, when he first got into office, he said, "If you follow me on Twitter, oh, yeah. you will get a plenary indulgence, which is the highest form of an indulgence, oh, which wow. means not just time off in purgatory, but like fully into heaven, wow. if you follow him on Twitter." So it just goes to to show you. Wow. Like I'm pretty sure I didn't read that anywhere in scripture. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to start with, there is no. There's well, no I'm sure we can find either. some sort of some sort of um, Old Testament prophecy that relates to that somehow. Mm. I bet we can. You want to bet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> sure we can make something work. We could actually, <laughs> we yeah. can make it work. Maybe the Christmas trees one. <laughs> <laughs> That's talking about Twitter. <laughs> what? Well, birds go in trees. <laughs> <laughs> they go tweet tweet. Obviously. <laughs> It's obviously Twitter they're talking so about. So I think we'd have a better chance. This is kind of me. But I think we'd have a better chance at finding um, Twitter in Scripture than Pope's. Yeah, you're right. That would be the harder thing to find. Yeah, yeah. Where'd the Pope come from? Especially a Pope who can't marry, even though ah, so Peter would be the first one and he was. Yeah. yeah. That's neither here nor there. But um, but what's interesting about the this whole thing and is... There is there is this consistency throughout the cultures for people to want to set up, even the church, mm -hmm. to be lured into setting up an authoritarian structure mm -hmm. that we have to be so careful to to be aware of that, uh, that we don't get kind of drawn into that um, underhandedly, mm -hmm. you know, and, and allow things to creep in. And I think that the the church today has that problem like we're in a place right now where where an amazing amount of our freedoms are being being uh challenged mm -hmm. you know if 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 you guys pay attention to the conservative news you know which is honest um i, I would say is uh, more honest than the left anyway is um but but you Not see the, the kind of things that we're we're facing you know with with this respect for marriage act that just got passed, mm -hmm. um, which is, which is completely not a respect for marriage. It's a destruction of marriage act is what it does. And it does, and it destroys our religious freedom. You know, right now right. they want to, they want to take that away. They want to take away our ability to, to speak, you know, that free speech. It's, this is why it's so important. Yeah. If you, if you look at what was going on, during the the Reformation time with Martin Luther, you you see a correlation there. You know, it's like he was willing to speak against the status quo. Mm -hmm. The status quo was saying was controlling everyone because they they didn't know what was going on mm -hmm. and they had no way of speaking. So they controlled the speech. They controlled all the <laughs> the details mm -hmm. there. And then you get somebody who's willing to stand up right. and say, oh, no, no, no. But it's still this authoritarian kind of state, you know, mm -hmm. although it was the church, it's still right. an authoritarian state. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wrote this down. Um, this was four weeks ago. <laughs> but uh, but the battles between man and God 
man's control of men with the moral code or God's control of man by his spirit. You know, so hmm. and that's what we see in when the church takes the role of this authoritarian structure in in like we see in the in the Reformation time um, that it's man using God's moral code to control men rather than God controlling men mm -hmm. by his spirit, you know, mm -hmm. so that's where we want to be. You know, we have to have structure. I'm not saying not have structure. Yeah. You know, we have we have our churches. We yeah. have God's like, all God those things are good. Order. That's order. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so those things are good. But when when there is a rival to the word of God mm. and it's whether we call it the church or the state, mm. it's wrong. Mm. You know, so we have to always be aware of what's going on mm -hmm. and and things aren't always that easy to see. Yeah. You know, this idea of what's going on in our culture today with marriage, with all those things, that is an attack on the scripture. Mm -hmm. It's an attack on God's word. Mm -hmm. God's word says certain things. The culture yeah. is going against right. it. The state is going against it. A lot of the church is going against it. Even, I think it was the, what, national evangelical, mm -hmm. whatever, something like that, yeah. Something, was for this respect for marriage act right. it's like what is going on yeah and so we have to be strong enough to stand up i don't know what the right answer is to how to really fight against that um mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. but we do have to stand the, against it somehow yeah especially if it's on if it's our team that's doing it like if it's the um <clears throat> the secular left you know whatever like you kind of expect that but if it's you know the evangelical churches it's like I kind of feel like a responsibility. I don't know, like you said, I don't know exactly what I could do, but to be like, this this is like obvious. If you're on the side of scripture, then we should be able to somehow, I don't know, sign a petition or something, sure. something. to get to these leaders, you know, to be like, do you really understand what you're doing? You know, you're saying you're respecting marriage, but actually like God gets to define what marriage is and you're redefining marriage if you're saying that it's, you know, that it can be between things that God says yeah. it's not for, you know. Well, it brings up an interesting thought too. Like, um, it, is it really God's plan for his body to be separate factions, mm. you know, or, or should we have that kind of, I don't you mean, know, how denomination? Would, yeah, yeah, how it would work to have like, one church government kind of thing where where the church should be able i i think should be able to go to these people and say no you're done get out yeah you know the church as a whole should be able to do that i, I think but yeah. i don't know how that would work it just i i it just seems to be like i i, I just don't know if having all of these little offshoots yeah and all these little governments with no like we're saying the authority yeah. is scripture. Okay, well, let's come under that. Let's right. unite under scripture because there's nothing else to unite under. Right. We might disagree on a lot of little things, but scripture's here. We're the church. You guys are not following the word of God. You're right. you're done. Yeah. We're going to shut you off. Well, let me get on a little bit. But I don't know how that works. A, let me get a little bit on, a little <laughs> yeah. bit on the soapbox. Yeah, do here. it, do it. Um, okay, so. Lay it on me, bro. And bring that, what you're exactly what you're saying, into the Reformation and why that matters and why that happens today. Because the um, biggest question, okay, first off, the, the reason that somebody would become Catholic today Okay, it's not because I want to follow the Pope on yeah, Twitter sure. to get, you know, <laughs> right. It sounds or, great. Right. So um, like we talked about um, this past year when we watched something uh, and it was like, try to paint whatever view in the best light and see why would somebody believe that? And then you have a right. much better chance right. of being able to interact with them. Yeah. So I've had to do this because my brother um, converted to Catholicism uh, around 10 years ago um, and is now studying to become a priest, actually. So I know why he did that. And so sure. sometimes I'm being a little tongue in cheek about Catholicism yeah. in general and stuff. <clears throat> and that's because, you know, I have studied it and I do understand where the differences are. And sometimes there are some things that are just silly, you know, in my mind, like, you know, walking through the doors in Rome and that gives you an indulgence too. You know, it's like, okay, well, I don't know why you would ever, you know, believe that. But 
That's not why they're becoming Catholic. Right. The, the main reason is because look at all of this unity. Right. We are the one true church. And look, if you go back into the Middle Ages, what was the church then? It was the Catholic church. What was Thomas Aquinas' church? The Catholic church, even St. Augustine back in the 400s. He was part of the Catholic church. So it's like, we are, we go back all the way to the apostles. It's that whole um, argument for apostolic succession. We are uh, the one true church established on the Pope. Peter, which obviously uh, there's, a, there's a whole host of things there, but in history, it's not like the Pope just came out of nowhere. Like it had, uh, like again, the snowball sure. effect yeah. throughout history. Um, and so one of the big arguments is look at how disunified the Protestants are. There's however many thousands of denominations, right? Um, and it's true, I don't know if there's that many denominations, but it is true that you're right. We're not just, the, uh, I am part of the same exact uh, belief system as, let's say, Presbyterian Church down the road or the Episcopalian Church. Like, we do have differences, even though we're all Protestants, right? So, is that okay? Or do we need to go to this, like, one true church thing? Now, there's a host of problems with the, in my, in my opinion, from the Catholic argument about being the one true church. Right. Um, I don't believe Augustine believed the same thing that the Catholic Church teaches today, especially about the um, things like the Lord's Supper, transubstantiation, even popes and the authority of popes, everything like that. I don't believe that at all. I would have way, I think I have way more in line with Augustine than with, than what the Catholic Church today would have with Augustine. It is what's called the dangerous idea of Protestantism, which is now everybody has access to the scripture. There's, and I know, I know I'm going on a soapbox, but this is, this is pretty important to me too. So the Bible was chained up and it was, it was literally actually chained um, so that the common person would not have access to scripture. Is that just because they don't the church didn't like scripture because that doesn't really it doesn't really make sense like oh we don't want people to right. have scripture right. because we don't like people or we're um we need to keep the authority and we don't want them to have that's not why it was chained it was chained up because if everybody had scripture that means that they would then be able to have their own views of scripture that go against the authority that jesus gave to the church right okay and so the question that is posed to Luther is, Luther, if everybody had a Bible, right. everybody that. would have different beliefs and you would have all of these offshoots and stuff. You wouldn't have any unity. What would you have if everybody had their own Bible? And Luther said, we might have more Christians, <laughs> which is like one of the biggest mic drop moments yeah. in church history. It was the first mic drop. <laughs> Probably, maybe, maybe. yeah. There it is. <laughs> um, and it is a dangerous idea. And we, and we should not underestimate that we should not have factions and that scripture is clear enough that we should all be able to go under the banner of scripture and be united. If they would all just believe how I believed. I mean, exactly. No. Um, no, they're trying to follow God in, in their way, and I'm trying to follow in his way. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doug. <laughs> there it is. One more. One more. Look at that. Um, and so, yes, it is a dangerous idea, but I think it's an idea that's worth it. Because I do think that is possible for a church that has all of this authority to be wrong and to come up with beliefs that are oh, outside of scripture. Sure. Um, and so once you have that, that you can challenge, I, I realized it's a big step. It was a monumental step to go from the authority of the, the church. The church what was a thing. It wasn't just like, well, the, you know, the Christians are the church yeah, kind different of different churches. Yeah. We're going from that to, ready, promiscuously bringing the Bible everywhere. And so now, yes, people do have the responsibility and the accountability of accurately handling God's word for themselves. If they do that, they will realize that there still is authority in the church and that they're not supposed to be by themselves just interpreting right. scripture yeah. for themselves. Because scripture talks about be subject to your leaders and your authorities and so some people went too far and they didn't have any authority but if you're reading scripture you wouldn't come to that conclusion 
Okay, um, so I think that's the, the the most important difference between why somebody would be Catholic, and also I think that's also why there's so many nominal Catholics today. I know there's nominal Protestants also, meaning in name only. They don't really care about their right, faith. They sure. just go once a week or whatever. Um, but in Catholicism, because they're the church, they what do I need to do to be saved? Tell me, church. Right, right. Well, go to confession once a year. Go at least on to church on these holidays and pray this many Our Fathers and whatever. Okay, that's all I need to do. Perfect. And so it's very rigid and it's very set up that this is all you have to do to be in line with the church. Biblical, you know, Christianity is like, Christ has to be your life. You know, it's not just fulfill this set of rules because this is what the authority has told you. It's like, no, he's either all or nothing, you know. So, but I do think that's why we have so many denominations today, but why I think that's okay. And why I think that it had to happen that way. And we should still be striving for unity, right? In, in the body today. But we have to understand where where we unite, and we have yeah. to unite on the on the Word of God. Yeah, we have to, and on the essentials of the faith. Yeah, because we we can't there, because if you unite under something, you, you you unite under something. Like you have to unite under right some sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So it's like unite. You would hear you know unity in in the culture today. It's like, well, under who? Like, what do you mean? Right, right. Oh, okay. I'll be united with you because I'll be following your rules. It's like, no, no, no. The church should be following God's rules and we should be united. Um, and it, it's just, uh, yeah. Oh, and I wonder how, how that comes into play with, with Christ reigning, you know, and how he's setting up the church now. Yeah. You know, and... and uh, and maybe there's an aspect of that 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 uh, you know that is important. You know, it is important for everything that you said. But I mean, like, you know, is there is this a different time? And should there be a different focus? You know, in in the structure of the church, should we start to try and bring more of a unity with the different? denominations and things like well, that. Well, I know there have I wonder. there have been um, for instance something called the Chicago statement which was I think in the 80s or 90s where a ton of conservative Christian leaders came to talk and to define uh, how scripture is inerrant and authoritative in our lives and it's a brilliantly written statement. But you notice we don't have um, councils today like in 325 the council right, of Nicaea right. and stuff. And it's like like I'm not denying like that is a, a a major change we should not just discount and be like oh yeah then back then they had the council of chalcedon you know in like the 500s ad it's like well why don't we have that today like I, i'm not trying to discount I, I i don't think we should discount that and just be like oh that's just the catholic church yeah. or whatever it's like no this was a huge difference oh, yeah. that protestantism <laughs> was saying because now we're not going to be able to do that anymore because who's going to be the, the council of the church sure. saying this is what, sure. you know, because now it's it's factioned in, in that sense, you know. But what are we united under? We're still united under uh, under Christ and under. But it's not the, the like, institutionalized, you know, establishment of that. Yeah. Um, but they still have, like, we, we have made the Chicago Statement and just recently the Nashville Statement. I don't know if you remember that a few years ago. Which was it's not um, like country music. Yeah, it's not really like country music. Yeah, the statement was, "We will not <laughs> listen to country music anymore." Signed in Nashville, interestingly enough. Oh, it's amazing. Ironically, um, no, but that was the statement on homosexuality in the church and what Scripture says, and just defining that for. Um, I, I I don't know exactly like who who went there. I know it's a lot of like people that we would really uh, appreciate. Um, church leaders from I think all around the world I want to say so that's probably the closest that we're going to get in terms of the church all coming together to make yeah. some sort of a statement on that um, but I do think that one of the the defining lines is between conservatism and liberalism in terms of theology not politics but because I'll talk with a conservative Anglican and we'll be like in lockstep on like 95 percent but if I talk to a liberal evangelical, forget oh, it. Oh, forget it, yeah. You know, 
they jesus didn't even die to take away our sins you know we're all gods <laughs> it's like for you know the whole thing is out, out of whack and so the denominations to me are less important i would like to look more than, into that those those statements i don't know the chicago statement mm -hmm. i'd like to look at more into it i i've, I've thought about maybe starting um, up one <laughs> well trying to trying to do some sort of um gathering of conservative churches and and really maybe set up something so that we can stand so that we can stand against the cultural things yeah. in lockstep right you know and on the key issues yeah you know when it's gay marriage or right. you know homosexuality um, those kind of things like like get all those things down and and really you know and it not be a denominational thing right exactly but it's this the is christian thing yeah. th this is yeah um if you are a bible believing christian like and you you care and god's word is above your your uh presuppositions right. you know and jesus is lord and and all of that then come to this and let's put our heads together and let's stand as a church together mm -hmm. against the culture because right now it seems that we have all these little voices that come up mm -hmm. that aren't doing right what but what a joint church could sure. do yeah. to stand against transgender mutilation of children you know that kind of thing right. yeah. where it's like you know Matt Walsh has his you know he's he's down at um I think it was in Tennessee and um if they have Ivy League things in Tennessee, no offense, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I know Christians if you're in Tennessee, Christians aren't listening to country music anymore. There, that, that's what I know. They signed that national statement. Oh, there you go. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but, like in my view, I wasn't there, and so I'm I'm calling myself out on this too. But in my view, somebody's doing something like that. He should have had a million Christians there. Mm -hmm. You know, there was like. 3,000 people. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, no. We as the church should be able to band together. And you get a million Christians standing who love God, who aren't causing trouble, but are standing on God's word against some sort of thing like that in culture. That makes a statement. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not just a couple people. You know, that's a big deal thing. I don't know. You know, I just wonder because I would love to see... And, and maybe it's time for that. Maybe it's time for the church to start. Maybe that's the way the, way the Lord wants to work his kingdom now. You, I don't know. It's yeah. just a thought. I'm just, no, you're, you're you know. right. I mean, I, I, I keep going, going back to this. <laughs> Sorry. But like, um, and I, I probably shouldn't do this, but I keep trying to bring it back to like the Reformation and councils because the Council of Trent. Why? Because this is about the Reformation. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> for whatever reason. But, um, but the the reason that a council would have been um, convened is because yeah. there was something so important that there wasn't something defined right. that they would gather to so council of Nicaea who is Jesus is Jesus God is he the same substance as God or is he just um, in the same what is it homo homoousias or homoousias literally one letter that's what caused the council of Nicaea right so <laughs> there's something really big happening that makes we need to come together to not just because we agree already, which is kind of more what you're saying, but it was we need to come together to agree on something because right. we are not agreed right now. So it's like a, that's a, like a different purpose for it. And that, sure. that's why they would draft a statement like the Council of Trent had its all of its statements, one of them being not, not good, that saying faith without works that can um, save you, you know. I'm paraphrasing, but um, so that was not something good that they agreed on, and that's one of the reasons we have to deny that. So it's like, well, what do sure. you do when you have to Faith deny, yeah. right? So they came together so that they could have that draft after. So what you're saying is is different from that because that wasn't yeah. the purpose of what the council was for. It wasn't you you already signed the statement and now we're meeting together right. to rally more or less, you know? Yeah, get together, grow together, you know? Yeah, just be the church. Yeah, really. That's fine, but That'd it's just so it's just cool. different from a historical council, is my point. Which I don't, I guess you would be fine with. <laughs> a million million Christians evangelizing 
like one area. <laughs> Dude, that'd be so cool. Do you know who Jesus Christ is? Yes. <laughs> that guy. I just still don't believe in him, but I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it for three days straight. Okay, people, let's go. Everybody's got optical illusion tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Which one looks bigger? They're the They're same size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I. That's because you're striving for unity in the oh, body. My nose is driving me crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I'd you're like striving to for unity, me. which is great. But I'm saying Protestants' dangerous idea is why it's sure. harder to have and that's, unity. Yeah, and that's something that and it is I good. Is, I think it's, and worth it's important. It. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you have Catholicism. Sure. You know, there's kind of no real, real middle ground. But we do see changes throughout culture, right? So the Lord works. Absolutely. And, and you know, he worked with Martin Luther. Yep. He, you know, he changed the whole picture of how things worked. Mm -hmm. And I, I just wonder if there's a time, another, a time for that, you know, where it's like, okay, mm -hmm. this is how things have had to be, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it's mm -hmm. now it's the church is going to become more unified, mm -hmm. and it could be something like that regarding, especially regarding the idea of you know post millennial you know viewpoint. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you know, because it, trying to get all Christians unified on post millennialism. Well, <laughs> yeah, but but the church becoming you know right. one church one. Um, Still with its microcosmic kind of mm -hmm. um, authority structures in sure. the body. Yeah, yeah. And really no authority but God's word, not like yeah. a pope, you know. Right, right. So the, not these, a human. These are the guys who are right. the apostles of the church kind of thing. Right, right. Well, it's like, no, God's word is the, is the, is the yeah. leading but of we, the church. We, but faithfully. But we, yeah, we come under that together. That, yeah. Right. Um, and. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, what I think we, so we awesome, do have right? that with all of our. Yeah. Brothers and sisters around the world. Right. I think you're right. We do have that. It's just hard to physically right. see that because but, we're yeah. all spread out from around the world. But I wonder if that is really the mindset of people. You know, I, I tend to think that most Christians think of the church as their church down the road. Right. You know, and don't think of the big picture church that they're part of. Yeah. And I think one of the things that... Um, uh, I believe Mike Winger had said, I don't know if it was in this video or the other one that I was, I was watching, but, um, but that we all have a job to do when we come, we become Christians. We don't come to church just to, or become part, part of the church just to be part of the church. We're, we have a, a part to play mm -hmm. in the church, yeah. you know, like every single person has a part to play in mm -hmm. the church. Yeah. And so a lot of folks don't get that. You were saved to do good work. Yeah, yeah. They don't save you, but sure. you have to be. That's why God saved you. But it's but it's it's something that's missed, and the idea of the the worldwide church, like really understanding that you're part of something bigger yeah. than this just this little microcosm mm -hmm. um, of believers. And you know what does that mean? How do you how do you is it time for the church to get past its little, mm -hmm. little nuanced um, stuff? In a sense, mm -hmm. not not get rid of it, right. not change your you know who you are, not yeah. come under some you know pastor whatever's authority. Sure, yeah. But you know, keep all that the same, but be unified under God's word and understand that we are one body. So let's work as one body. Yeah, you know, oh, how cool would that be? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's hard <laughs> because um, you can't sweep the important stuff that you differ with under the rug. Still, sure, you know, and um, you know, even in denominations that we would be close with, like we still disagree with them on you know critical things, and even there's so many people today that are like the Reformation is over, Catholics and Protestants, all those differences. Either they were just back then, or they don't matter now. We all love Jesus. Let's get together, and we got to fight the cultural, right? Just kind of like you're saying. Uh, and there's a sense in which that's true because we do agree on the cultural issues, but the underlying theological issues oh, they're big enough are to, so to deal with, yeah. 
We can't so settle for it. Still. And, yeah. we, and we cannot be unified in that sense because uh, they don't have the same gospel. We don't have the way, the same right. way of salvation. Right. So, you know, we, and we don't have the same amount of mediators between us and God, you know, because they've got Mary and the saints and Christ. And, sure. and we need a mediator with Christ, <laughs> you know, and that's like that's a completely different gospel. So we cannot sweep, sweep those things under the rug. But I'll stand next to an abortion clinic with them and pray with them still. Sure, absolutely. I'll yeah. still love my brother and hope that, um, that he truly is, has a relationship with God. Even sure. though if we're going to get into the issues, they're going to be really different, stark contrast yeah. you know, between them. Jesus prayed, you know, let them be one, just as we are one. Amen. So that is what we are to strive for. But also in the New Testament, it says there must be factions among you. Um, I'll get that verse because it doesn't make sense if I just leave it like that. <laughs> but Is it James? Yeah. And there's a good reason for that. Oh, 1 Corinthians. Oh, it's 1 Corinthians. First of all, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. And indeed, there must be differences among you to show which of you are approved. And then it goes into when you come together to eat the Lord's Supper. So um, there are reasons and divisions uh, there are reasons for there being divisions in the church, and there even was in the early church. I mean, we should not forget that, sure. that the early church was, there was false teachers that came in, sure. um, leading people astray, and there was, uh, you know, Paul exhorting Timothy, preach sound doctrine, because there's going to be people coming in not preaching the same gospel. Even if an angel, or if I come to you preaching a different gospel, let them be uh, cursed. So... That is something that we are stuck with here on, on this earth. Or is it's, that an enemy that teachings. will be placed under Christ? Well, one day, absolutely. Yes, it will be. But it has um, apparently not yet been uh, placed under his feet because there's still so many factions and, and divisions. All right. Well, maybe this is the start of that. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. Exactly. And I, I, yes, that goes into... Go ahead, Jake. There it is. <laughs> so this was good. So... Um, Went all the way around. I think we're back at back. the Reformation. So, yeah. um, so super important time. If you haven't watched any of the old movies about Martin Luther, they're really, they're really good. good. I, all, all of them that I've seen have been really, Yeah, really, good. really awesome. Martin and, Luther Heretic yeah. is a good one. There's one called... Luther, yeah, that's a newer one, and then I think there's one called Martin Luther. <laughs> yeah, so very one, creative. One from like, yeah, very creative. One names. from like the 30s, one from the 50s, and one from the 2000s. Yeah, cool, so. but all good. And uh, I definitely encourage you to to study the church history. Mm-hmm. You know, dig into it a little bit. There's a, a lot of. It's just an amazing thing how the Lord has worked through His church throughout the, all the different cultural changes. And the church, the true church, yeah. is continually absolutely um, standing growing. strong, growing. Yeah. The word of God continues to go out, mm-hmm. and um, and that leads us to our you know our end tag statement, yes. our tagline that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Christ. Yes. But I won't end there this time because I want to encourage you guys. You know, um, definitely comment, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, share this, like this, subscribe to uh, Freedom Church NJ on uh, YouTube or uh, anywhere you can get podcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, we definitely appreciate all the input that you give. And uh, yeah, love to hear from you. So, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, now definitely. Now I don't now even know what to say. Well, Peace out, yo. No, no. <laughs> you still have to say it at the end. I said it. I, I know. You want me to say it again? Yeah, because it's a tagline. That's what you say at the end of the, every podcast. Come on, Come man. On, I'm going for consistency. Come man. on, man. Don't think, be this crevice in my arm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's so much hair on that. Anyway. I don't want to be that. All right. And like I just said, remember the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Christ. Amen. Yes. There it is. There you go. Amen.